This is the Topsoil Podcast. I'm Trent Stout with Stout Seed. And I'm Mitchell Horror with Continual Mag. Okay, so welcome back to the Topsoil Podcast. It's been a while since uh, we've talked with you guys lately. Um, and I know both of us have been extremely busy, so today we want to kind of catch you up on what's been going on uh, with our lives since the last time that we that we released an episode. Um so for me personally, you know, we've, we've gone through a pretty dramatic uh, growing season just in the way that we started. Um, I think one of our last episodes that we released, we were we were just like talking about corn uh, emergence and maybe some yellowing of corn and early seedling diseases, um, cover crops and how those interact with early early growth stages of corn. And then it seemed like overnight that corn went from V2, V3 to like V9, V10. It was just crazy explosion um, of that corn. As a matter of fact, we actually talked about how we were getting a lot of phone calls on the yellowing of corn before, you know, it kind of switches over to taking its nutrients up from its, its primary root systems uh, versus the seed. And then it was like, you know, all these calls about yellow corn and then all of a sudden overnight that corn was, you know, chest high. It was just insane how, how fast the corn crop exploded around here. Uh, yeah. Soybeans followed suit pretty nice. Um, and I know, Mitchell, you, you're going to talk a little bit about some of the evaluations that you've been doing in the field. Primarily for me right now, we're looking at a lot of disease pressure. You know, we've we've had pretty heavy dews in the mornings. We've had pretty good conditions and environments for that that piece of the disease triangle to uh especially for gray leaf spot uh particularly in southeast iowa seems to be kind of the main culprit there is obviously presence of northern corn leaf blight, northern corn leaf blight, uh common rust um you can pretty much find these and yeah pretty you know you know there's there's some gosses around i haven't personally found any gosses yet um but that's something that, that can be real concerning for guys. We haven't had a big outbreak of process since probably 2009, 2011 um, around here. So, um, it, you know, there's a lot of fungicide being flown on. That's a pretty typical question that we're getting dealt with right now. And, uh, you know, fungicide can be a tricky issue for guys that are soil health conscious. And, um, you know, just going back to the basis of this program, you know, one of the the key components that we want to bring awareness to is soil health and biology and how that interacts with cash crops in our neck of the woods. Um, but more than that, even on a global level, um, as you're going to be sharing with us some stuff that, you know, from South Africa and stuff that you're going to be doing. So, um, but anyway, so, so been dealing with fungicide, we're still trying to get this, you know, through the growing season here on top of that, even since the last time that we, we talked, you know, I had a kid, so there's been a lot going on in our lives, you know, that uh, have kind of maybe put the podcast on on maybe the back seat, but we're excited about, you know, re-get, you know revamping the show back up. Um, and we have some really exciting news and interesting stuff that's going to be coming coming down that pipeline in the future. So, uh, you know, stay tuned for that. But, yeah, uh, yeah, maybe we don't disclose all of it yet, but some exciting things happening for the top soil nation. Mm-hmm. Soil nation, so... Yeah, but uh, so so first thing kind of topic that we want to talk today about is um, really cover crop versus no cover crop. And and one of the big questions I've had is with disease 
I'm sorry, I'm getting another call here, but uh, with disease pathogens, um, are we seeing any kind of differences between where we had cover crops, where we didn't have cover crops, and can we break that disease cycles um, in our area with, with the presence of cover crop before corn or before soybeans? And so far from just my anecdotal stuff, really it's, it's non-conclusive. You know, there's, there's no, there's really no way for, for me to say with definitive, uh, you know, that, that with cover crops, that's the less presence of disease, you know what I mean? Or vice versa. Yeah. Um, maybe early on we can make some connections, but, but, but with leaf diseases later in the season, I'm not thinking that it's, it's made any difference at all. Now, I'm curious to see what you're, you know, to hear what you, what you've seen, Mitch. Yeah. So maybe I lead into this question with a little bit on kind of what I've been working on here the last couple of months too. Um, we, so we do a lot of test plots, um, some products from all over the world, but a lot of just farmer management side by side kind of trials too. cover crops being our main one that we focus on. I've even got some of those test plots where we're pulling soil samples weekly, um, doing a lot of tissue samples as well, analyzing the cover crop residue. We did we did tissue samples of the cover crop, um, biomass samples, weighing out the cover crop as it decomposed, a bunch of stuff. So trying to get all that kind of relayed together, and we're definitely seeing improvements, which has been really cool. You're kind of alluding to that. Um, right now on one of my trials, it's a third-year cover crop just through RI, cover versus no cover. Um, we're seeing 16% improvement in biological activity in just three years. Um, and we're seeing, we see improvements right away too. In year one, we see improvements, but now we're seeing consistently improved biological activity, which is awesome. Now, are you I'm talking right? strictly like from CO2 respiration? CO2 respiration, yep. So I'm, I send my soil sample, a lot of these soil samples, I send directly to Dr. Rick Haney using his Haney test um, with the man. Um, the legend is what uh, um, one of his nicknames. And um, so working directly with him on this, he uses an infrared gas analyzer to look at the CO2. So it's an incubation test. Um, essentially, they take the soil, dry it down, re-wet it, and allow it to sit and work and incubate for 24 hours. Then with the infrared gas tool, they can assess the CO2. More CO2 means more biological activity in the soil. And, yeah, with cover crops, we're seeing improvements. We're also looking at differences from different various products as well. Just trying to figure out, you know, how do we keep the, the microbes in our soil happy and working for us? Part of the aim there to lead back into this question is how do we get more good guys working in our soil to get rid of the bad guys in our soil? So there's, path, there's microbes that will eat pathogens. And if you have more beneficial microbes, they overtake the pathogen microbes. Um, we're doing a lot of work with Chase Genomics. It's a DNA fingerprinting lab um, that we can identify those individual species of microbes, which is super cool. We did multiple thousand acres here this year, and we're going to do even more this fall, which is awesome. So we're looking at the actual pathogens in the soil. We're looking at actual um, numbers and species that we have in our soil, which is really cool. So now once we understand more of what is the problem, okay, we're seeing a ton of gray leaf spot. We're seeing a lot of, of blights and whatnot as well. 
Um, I think I think part of that here this year is that we have been growing so fast that and and the soil conditions have been excellent that a lot of the residue that we had on the surface we're breaking that stuff down. We've had enough rain, so a lot of those diseases get up on the plants because rainwater splashes the spores back up onto the plants. And we've had plenty of rain this year to be able to do that. I mean, that makes a ton of sense. For the cover crop suppression question, we didn't have massive cover crop to help su- suppress. You know, most of our cover crop was 10, 12 inches tall. And we planted green, all of it. So all on our operation, we planted all every corn and soybean plant was planted into green standing rot, green standing cover crop. Not all of it was rye, but all of it was planted green. Um, disease isn't too terrible on our stuff. Um, just about all the corns got fungicide, and that's definitely helped a lot. Um, but I don't. I, I think in the disease suppression question with the cover crops, I don't think we had quite enough growth this year to see the difference. What I'm interested in is in doing all of our soil testing and, and tissue sampling is to look at the micronutrients, to look at at um, complex nutrient balances. And if we can improve plant health and plant vigor so the plant on its own can fend off disease, I think we really make things interesting as far as being able to improve soil health to improve plant health. Then we don't have to spend as much money on inputs um, and putting on fungicide, I mean, for us, there's plenty of guys that put on with airplane um, or with a helicopter, and that works great, but it's expensive. Um, and some of us putting on with a a haggy or um, another sprayer that allows us to spray right over the corn, but we're losing some stands there as well because it's pretty well inevitable that we're going to knock some over, and that ends up being even more costly. So if we can get the soil to function the way that it's supposed to be and help improve plant health, uh, we make things real interesting. And that's, that's what we're going for. So, so some guys, you know, when we spent some time at the soil health, uh, conference that Ray Archuleta put on, um, in Wellman, Iowa, up at Steve Murs, uh, some guys would make the comment. And I think those guys did, uh, that, you know, applying fungicides to your soils is actually working somewhat against you if you're trying to create that environment that you're talking about where you're creating a healthy soil to be able to prevent, you know, healthy soils create healthier plants. And so, what? I mean, what's your thoughts? on you guys are pretty soil yeah. health conscious. To me, to, me it's all, to me, it's all about, uh, it's all about um, some give and take here. We know that we want to improve soil health. We know we want to try to do things better. We want to improve profitability. We want to keep pushing yield. But how do we give? have a little give and take to get there? You know, so, okay, um, like for for example, we still use a lot of anhydrous. So, okay, we put on anhydrous because the economics work extremely well. We utilize that as our strip till system, and we plant right back on top of that strip into our cover crop. So that works extremely well. Um, we still have that kind of a tilled strip to be able to plant into. And the economics work great. But anhydrous is one of the worst things that we can do for soil health. And we can see that. <laughs> we we see that our soils, our, our soil health is not where we want it to be. So we're trying to figure out, okay, can we put 
a different product in with that anhydrous to reduce some of the negative impact. And I've seen that we can. Um, now, not great. We're still putting on anhydrous. It's still not good. Because you got to think, I mean, the soil microbes are made out of the same components that we are. Anhydrous is really nasty to human skin um, because it interacts with the water in your cells. It does the same thing to a microbe. You know, it's basically frying them. And uh, so we don't want to do that. But for right now, it's that's how the economics work until we can get away from it. So same thing for fungicide. It pays more times than not um, for our operation. We've done the trials and whatnot to be able to, to see that. But we would love to be able to get away from it. If we can improve our soils, um, then I think we can. I think we can get away from it. So, so it's a give and take. Gonna take time. It's going to be a give and take for a while, yeah. So we know where we want to get, though. And, if, and at least if we have the right direction and we've got the right tools now to be able to monitor, um, now we can manage you know, so we can measure it. Now we can manage it. So I, so going back to when you were talking about these these populations of microbes, and even with your DNA testing and trying to figure out, you know, good microbes versus, you know, maybe yeah. irrelevant microbes or, you know, so forth and so on. Have you been working? I mean, I just I just see this, you know, maybe because I do sales, you know, I see this as being an angle for some of these companies. And I know that there's a ton of companies selling biologicals now. You're working with some of these biologicals, um, you know, and I know that there's, you know, some molasses-type products or, or, or just different sugar-based products that have come to the market. How are you – or maybe you can't make any conclusions at this time or just some generalizations, but are you seeing some of these uh, being effective? Yeah. So that's exactly what we're trying to go for here is – is we need to be able to better assess um, the soil. So what we're doing now is we're combining a basic soil test to look at pH and organic matter and, and cation ex- or, um, base percentages and whatnot, cation exchange, combining that with a Haney test to look at available nutrients, micronutrients, uh, various forms of nitrogen and phosphorus, um, organic carbon, and then looking at the soil DNA as well to get an extremely thorough look at, at our soil biology. And the test that we're using actually allows us to look at the soil's ability to cycle nutrients, which is literally the definition of being sustainable. Mm-hmm. If the soil has the ability to cycle NPK and carbon, that's awesome. I mean, that's being sustainable right there. So what we're doing then is utilizing those soil t- tools as a benchmark to be able to go off of and be able to improve those soil parameters with better management practices and better products. So, yeah, we're testing all these products from all over the world. Most of them right here in southeast Iowa is where we're testing them out and monitoring how they are impacting our soil. So when I look at a product, especially like a biological, like I said, there's, there's plenty of good ones out there, but there's a, so many that most of them are viewed by a farmer as foo-foo juice right now. Mm-hmm. And because and for for the longest time, that's when most of them have been. You know, there's plenty of them that are seafood juice, or at least maybe for our soils, they don't work as well as they do in an Arizona soil. And that's no big deal. Um, but the companies need to know that too. They need to know where to best deploy their salespeople and where their products can have the most bang for the buck. So um, we're looking at products and saying, okay, we need to look at efficacy. 
So we need to make sure that the product works and that we are improving on farm profitability. But we also want to look at soil health and impact on soil health. That way we're getting long-term benefits as well. And um, I think improving our biological communities is an extremely interesting and very forward-thinking part of that where we're looking at how do I get the good guys in my soil built up, overtake the bad guys in my soil, and uh, get rid of issues is really what it's all about. Now we're just expanding our toolbox to be able to do that. Uh, it's extremely interesting on where this could go. Um, the cool piece of what we want to do, and, and not in today's episode, but in the future, and we've talked about it a lot before, is we need to continue to scale going direct to market or direct to consumer marketing. And uh, some of these tools and being more sustainable, um, having less diseases in our soil and in our plants is a great tool to be able to market based on and be able to show, hey, here's my here's my product that I'm producing more sustainably because my soil is recycling nutrients. My soil doesn't have pathogens and whatnot that affect me. Um, therefore, I don't have to use some of the um, some of my pesticides, and that helps the farmers improve our on-farm economics. And, um, and if we can feed into a consumer system because of that, that's huge. So there's some interesting things there, and we'll see where this goes in the future. But for sure, some some interesting tools there, and, and some big-time people that are in this space and trying to make all those things happen. Um, I just think that we have the right tools to be able to provide the metadata into these markets that are developing. So, Absolutely. Well, yeah. It's been great, you know, getting this revamp back up. We're just super excited to put on an episode, get it out again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, look maybe forward to – What's a couple of your, like, kind of things? I mean, maybe a quick little preview on what's going on. We want to get back in the swing of this. I think we've got the right tools to be able to do that and the right – motivation to be able to do that what's what's kind of your i don't know for the audience though what's kind of your quick takeaway on what where do you see this going now what's the what's your vision well okay so we obviously are amidst over the past month you know of, of busyness in life we've also have some other things developing with the podcast that we'll be you know kind of relaying to the audience as those things develop further um, down the road here. Um, but, you know, the most important thing is, is, you know, I think that we're going to try really to make that concerted effort to get content out, you know, on a bi biweekly kind of, or not biweekly, twice a week. Um, you know, and I think that that's kind of where we're headed is just kind of, you know, still pounding the issues of soil health, still bringing awareness there. Um, but most importantly, just given people real life observations, you know, the different point of view of of what we're seeing here in our small niche of the world and, and then you with with what you're doing, you know, even worldwide, just just helping, you know, trying to bring that bring that bigger reach uh and and promote this to a to a larger audience. So that's really kind of how I see us moving forward. I I am right there with you and trying to just help bring in the right connections. I think our networks are, are big. Yeah, I'm going to South Africa next week. So, I mean, people all over the world. Um, just trying to bring the right resources to farmers. We've got to improve. We've got to do things better. The regulations are definitely coming. 
um, like water quality. It's a scary thing. But some of the events I've been at here recently, I've gone from um, there could be stuff come to there's going to have to be major changes because improvements are not being made in water quality the way that the nutrient reduction strategies aim to. So I think it's I think it's fairly inevitable that there's going to be some types of regulations come. We just want to make sure I, I want to make sure that our listeners are prepared for that. And uh, you know, sure but we've been talking about this forward. for a long time. Oh, yeah, you know, you know, it's been that, a couple of years in the works. Usually. Is that we we neither needed to make this change or we were going to get mandated this change. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been talking about this with guys for five years. Yeah. And it was kind of the writing on the wall, and you could see it coming. So um, this probably shouldn't come as any shock to anybody. You know yeah. what I mean? And well, I don't know. I mean, change is really – Guys got to be working on it if they're not right now. Well, change is hard. You know, change yeah. is a hard thing, and then especially in the agriculture community. Um, but, you know, at the same time, we'll see whether this is – you know, for the better, I guess. I mean, I personally, on my own personal stance, you know, I think this is something that, that really, from a global perspective, can be a really positive positive change for the agriculture community. Um, you know, but, but it's uh, going to be a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, it's going to be pretty painful for a lot of guys um, here to begin with. But we'll keep watching that. I think we've got the right connections there, too, to keep us in the loop on what's, what's going to happen, and, and we'll keep – pass along that info too as we learn things so absolutely lots to look forward to i'm excited yeah great to be back uh thanks for tuning in and uh we look forward to releasing another episode soon so stay tuned